I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers from KLCC. My guest today is Anthony Broadman, the Mayor Pro Tem of the Bend City Council. A lawyer by training, Broadman's practice focuses on representing tribal governments and advancing Indigenous rights in federal and state courts. We talk about what got him interested in running for city council and his goals to enhance the quality of life in Bend. Well, Anthony Broadman of the Bend City Council, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah. Why don't we start sort of at the very beginning and, 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 and how you got to Bend and, and how you got into politics? Yeah, I I think like so many people who um, moved to Bend, we came here for a job. I fo- followed my wife here. She was able to get a job and move to um, what I really consider to be uh, our dream scenario, our dream city in 2010. Um, we have three kids that we've been fortunate enough to raise here and politics for me was really not, not an exciting origin story, except for I got really angry about our transportation system here in Bend upset that my kids couldn't get to school or other places around town safely and, uh, complained to enough friends and my wife and family that they said, well, why don't, why don't you do something about it and run for office? So, um, I did, and it's been a wonderful experience uh, being on the Ben City Council. And where did you come from? I followed my wife around the United States as she did her medical training. So the most recent place we were was Seattle, okay, uh, where she was training to be a pediatrician at Seattle Children's Hospital. Okay, um, and so I also had the opportunity to live in Tucson when she was in medical school and I was in law school, and we met in New Jersey. So I've, <laughs> I've had a had a wide uh, geographic uh, diversity when it comes to living in places and kind of know what I like. Yeah, I like Bend. <laughs> indeed. Um, being an attorney is obviously, you know, for, for many people, being an attorney oftentimes can be sort of a launching point to 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 politics. But you know, you you have a, you have a pretty interesting legal career in that you you represent tribal governments. Talk about that, and 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 talk about how you got into that sort of niche area of law. Yeah, it's it's. Uh... It it's probably sounds more exciting than it is. I really kind of consider myself to be a government lawyer, much like a you know an attorney general or a U.S. attorney might be for another government. I, I just do that for um, for tribal governments, and uh, I, I really came to it because my best friend recruited me out of law school to go work at a firm in Seattle, and uh, you know now here we are, fifteen years later, he's one of my law partners and we have three other law partners and have built our, our two man firm up to a nine lawyer firm that serves um, Indian tribal governments and serves um, individuals who are tribal members throughout the country. It's really been a, a, you know, one of the sort of honors of my life to represent Indian tribes. And I, I, I don't know how to practice other law. So often people ask me legal questions and I'm, you know, I have to I have to confine my answers to um, what I really know, and that's um, federal uh, Indian law. And, and I imagine what you get involved with is this this element of treaties that I think we all sort of know the word, but maybe don't necessarily understand what what treaty agreements are. Could you go into that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's not that many contracts with um 
Well, let's put it this way. Treaties are in the Constitution. They're in the supremacy clause of the Constitution. They are the supreme law of the land. And so um, I, I agree. The word gets tossed around a lot. We often see social media honor the treaties. Um, but but treaties were a tool of of conquest in a lot of unfortunate ways, especially um, for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. So, um, yeah, they're mentioned in the Constitution. They are sacred promises that, um, you know, I don't speak on behalf of my clients on this point, but I believe within our federalist system, um, you know, that includes states and tribes in the United States as um, a federal government. They are they are part of why we are in the situation we're in now. I don't, I'm not casting aspersions or making a qualitative judgment on on the the positives or negatives of treaties, but they are part of our federalist system, um, just like tribes, which um, are mentioned in the Constitution and go back to the very seminal you know cases of the the Supreme Court in the Marshall Trilogy. The 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 concept and the existence as a government of an Indian tribe, and I'm not talking about um, the existence of tribes as as cultural entities or um, political subparts, but tribes as part of the federalist system go back to the very um, beginnings of our country. Um, so I, I I feel very fortunate that every day. Almost every day I need to go back and and look at a a treaty or a case that touches on treaties from the very beginnings of our republic. And I'd imagine you talked about, you know, a friend recruited you to this law firm, but it almost sounds like you, was there an element where you looked at this this particular aspect of law was it a calling because you felt like wow this is this is an, an element of law where i can engage right now and make a true difference right away i i wish i had had that kind of foresight i just um i have always wanted to challenge inequitable systems and I've been, you know, privileged my whole life. I've never, I've never wanted for anything. Um, but I do feel uh, like as attorneys we're, you know, we're obliged to speak truth to power. We're obliged to undo systems that are often, you know, systems of oppression and systems of perpetuating inequity. And boy, I get to, you know, I get to wake up every day and 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 know that I'm on at least, you know, in my little tiny corner of the world, um, the right side of things. I um, I don't know. You know, a lot of lawyers don't get to do that. So I consider myself to be really, really fortunate. But no, I couldn't. 15 years ago. No, I was I was uh, I was looking for, um, you know, I was looking for righteous fights. And that's uh, that's that spirit has carried me and my partners through, I think. Um, as we've practiced this area of law. Well, and I imagine, and I love the turn of phrase, righteous fights. Uh, and as you mentioned, it sort of launched you to some degree in, in politics because you saw an aspect of your community that you love that, that you wanted to affect change in. And you talked about transportation. So, so uh, before we even get into that, it, it sounds as though, so a lot of the work that you do isn't necessarily for... Uh, tribal communities in Central Oregon. It sounds like you, you kind of work nationally. So in, in some ways, you were able to choose the place that you wanted to live, and then you're, you're being able to do a lot of remote work for what you need to do in your occupation. 
Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I am an appellate court judge here in central Oregon for a tribe. Okay. Um, and I should be clear. I don't I'm not speaking for any of my clients and Understood. certainly not speaking for the city of Bend, just speaking for myself, but um, Bend has been a great place to build a business. And, you know, we've, we've had local clients, we've had, um, you know, we've had folks who have come here to, to seek out our representation of them. So um, it's been a great geographic um, point for me to work from. And I also have local clients that, um, you know, are, I think I'm very fortunate to be close to them. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe unlike other attorneys, you you, you might be bogged down in, in 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 legal precedent and books and whatnot, but you can look out and see the sisters and and the incredible views that you have there in Bend. Exactly. I yeah. I mean, really, I tell there, there's a lot of lawyers in Bend, but um, there's a lot of lawyers who choose to be in Bend and can probably practice somewhere else. Um, it's a, it's a great, it's a great place and a, a really collegial bar here. Sure. Um, I've often asked, uh, elected officials, especially on city councils where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily your full-time job, but uh, in terms of mind space, being on a council and, and being beholden to voters must take a lot of, uh, energy and time. How do you balance? And, and yet describing what you do as a profession sounds like something that would obviously take a lot of time. How do you balance it? Well, I, I don't know that I succeed all the time. I mean, my, my intent and what I try to be really intentional about is compartmentalizing my days. So, you know, I spend my work days working as a lawyer, and then I certainly set aside often it's lunch hour or, um, you know, the last few hours of the work day before I go home and make dinner and see the kids um, of making sure that I'm doing what I need to do that day for counsel. Um, but in terms of our city council and many city councils, the citizen sort of servant leader model that I think we are operating in really intends, I think, for people to be citizen electeds. Um, it's sort of like an NFL referee has a day job and, and the NFL wants that because if you aren't out there operating in the world, maybe not even employed in a job or um, something where you're working full time, but if you're not out there in the world understanding the problems of your neighbors, um, many of whom are struggling pretty mightily, then can you really serve? And I, I, that's so I, I would turn the question around to those those full time electeds like our fo- our friends in the House and the Senate and the state and our federal delegation, which is. How do you stay in touch with the real world when you, um, you know, this is your full-time job? I, I feel very fortunate that I have, um, you know, that I have a, a foot in, in both pools, really. Excellent point. Excellent point. We're going to take our first break. We're talking with Anthony Broadman. He is the mayor pro tem on the city council of Bend. We'll be right back. While this is a season of giving, For all of us at KLCC, it is also a time of gratitude. We appreciate you, our members, whose support has been the power behind this public service. As KLCC evolves and grows to meet the needs of our community, your generosity will help our efforts. Please consider making a special year-end gift at klcc.org. We are grateful for your support. And we're back talking with Anthony Broadman, the mayor pro tem for the city of Bend. So um, 
looking at 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 information about you and, and understanding that you got onto the council, transportation and safety were a were a big linchpin for you even even wanting to run for office. You know, you talk about some of the some of the um, some of your main priorities on the council that 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 you really want to or have plugged into to try and affect affect change in the in the city you live and work. You know, everybody expects city councils to fix everything in the city, and um, there's never a lack of initiatives for us to take up, which I find um, exhilarating and, and really inspiring. So, uh, like I said, I ran for council because I was um, focused on transportation. So I, I think we've made some progress. I'm. I think if you talk to any of my colleagues on council, you'll you'll hear that I'm extremely impatient and always looking for a timeline and um, measurable victories because that's what the folks of Bend um, put us in office to do. So we are embarking on our second biennium of our four-year term. um, And I'm I'm really optimistic we're going to get um, meaningful active transportation infrastructure done in this city. Um, I think we're hitting it at just the right time with the state passing the climate friendly and equitable community, community rulemaking. Um, I think Bend has shown a desire and willingness to make sure that this is a city that everybody can get around safely. We have huge, um, I would, I would consider them to be had, had, we have had missteps when it comes to transportation planning in the past. So we've planned for cars um, to the detriment of, I think a lot of other people who walk, bike, use wheelchairs um, to get around our, our city. So we're, I would say reversing course, improving course. There's been a lot of good people before me working on this for a long time, but I'm confident that in the next two years, we're gonna make headway both on our midtown crossings that is connecting the east and the west side of Bend um, we have geographic barriers here, like the railway and the, and the parkway, which ODOT um, put through our city and, and the river. And we need to we need to mitigate the you know the disconnect that that those geographic impediments have created. Um, I, I'm confident we're gonna we've made progress on a a full east west north south bikeway. That um, you know my goal is for a kid to be able to get across and up and down bend on their own on a bike safely. And that's, that's not a reality right now. Um, so uh, we've made progress. We have a lot more work to do on, I think most people know in the state, um, the struggle that we've had with the cost of housing in, in the city of Bend and in Deschutes County. Um, I think our median home price right now is um, still over $700,000 and our wages are not matching those types of housing costs. And we've, also had an increase um, of people experiencing homelessness basically every year for the last decade. Um, and immediately upon getting into office, you know, I think this council said we cannot keep doing what we have done in the past in Central Oregon. And um, and we, we worked with the county, which like many other areas of Oregon, we have a relatively um, progressive city council and a relatively conservative uh, county commission, but we were able um, to propose and form the first collaborative houselessness response office of of its kind here in Central Oregon. Um, It's different from other collaborative offices and and something that 
I have a lot of optimism. We're going to start treating um, the the sort of crisis of homelessness and expanding homelessness in Bend as a public health crisis and housing shortage crisis, which, um, you know, it, it's not going to be fixed this year, but at least we were the first council to to step up and, and actually work with the county to make sure um, that we have a joint solution rather than siloed, um, I would suggest, Band-Aids over and over. Sure. And then we've also been the first council of its uh, uh, in Bend to really move forward with um, a, a the most progressive, densest expansion project in the city of Bend in, in a, a area called Stevens Road. And what's so exciting about it is we've got um, 20 acres deeded directly to the city for affordable and workforce housing, including seven acres for housing where um, the priority will be given to educators. So right now what we're seeing in our city is that police, uh, nurses, educators, people working for schools, the people who make this city run are um, being priced out and and cannot find an affordable place to live. So we've created a government-sized problem here over the last 10, 20 years of growth, and it's really going to take um, you know, a government solution to, to reverse in course on pricing out the, the working families who, who make this city go around. Sure. It's interesting, and, 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 and I want you to check me on this, because you know, being a Eugenian and being on this side of the mountains, sometimes I wonder, as I'm listening to you, to you talk, is Bend sometimes maybe reputationally a victim of your own success? It's a beautiful place. It's probably an area that everybody in the state can, can, can reach consensus that, oh, well, Central Oregon and Bend are wonderful places, beautiful. And so listening to you talk about a housing crisis and transportation issues and homelessness, you know, on this side of the Cascades, I'm sure there are people in Portland and people in Eugene saying, oh, gosh, you know, you don't even know about problems because look at all the problems we have because we're, we're denser populated cities. But that's not true, is it? You, 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 you have Ben-sized problems that are just as real as something happening here in, 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 in West Lane County or up in uh, Multnomah County. I think, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. And I, I think we're, our problems are different in some ways because if you look at our rate of growth, um, you know, in 10 years, we're going to have another thirty to 35,000 people here. Um, and if you tack that percentage on to any of our friends, on, you know, I think on the west side of the state, it would be a, a really significant challenge. Um, we are all subject to the same um, limitations on our ability to raise property taxes. And um, that makes this ever-expanding job of city governance um, challenging when you have the growth that we have had. We've This county's had, the, I believe, the highest percentage growth over the last 10 years compared to any other county in Oregon. So it shouldn't be a surprise. It's not a surprise. I think we're lucky because we're still, um, and not to cast aspersions to any other region of the state, <laughs> Sure, we're, we're still, uh, I think, um, naive enough to work together. Uh, there's a, there's a spirit of demanding progress, no matter where you're kind of coming from as a, um, a, you know, a, a political philosophy. Um, and I think that, I, I think that we're using that to our benefit here. I, we, we sure better because like I said, if we grow another 30, 35,000 people here in the city of Bend in the next 10 years, we're going to have um, a lot more 
a lot more challenges that we're probably not even um, aware of right now. I want to pick up on something you just said about consensus building and, and working together, because obviously, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, that that's almost be, the opposite is sort of the hallmark of politics today. But it it sounds as though you you on the council there and in, in, in a small to middle sized city like Bend, you can reach some consensus. Talk a little bit about that in, in sort of what you've brought to the table, but also your colleagues and, and, and how you work together to try and solve problems. Yeah. I mean, I think you look at, I mean, I'll just give you some examples. You know, I'm a Democrat, proud Democrat. We're all nonpartisan on council, but we've formed this CHRO, this collaborative House and response office with um, a majority Republican county commission. Um, and it was such a, a success that we had, um, you know, seven other counties throughout the state, rural, urban, exurban, join us on the House bill to fund those collaborative offices for each of their um, jurisdictions. So um, I, I think that uh, there, there's a political reality in that um, everybody needs to show success and actually complete success for their folks. But here in Bend, we have, you know, let's call it 100,000 people in the city and 200,000 in the county, including the city. We're a huge we're a huge portion of the county, and I don't think we have a, a choice but to work together. And the zero-sum game of politics where, you know, one side takes their ball and goes home, like we see in Salem and D.C. probably, that ain't going to work here because our folks expect um, results and progress. And, um, and, I, and I think if, I, if, I, if, we were to, if we were to look across the aisle or, or look at a different government, uh, entity within our community and see them as red or blue or redder or bluer, it, we wouldn't get anything done. Um, so I don't know any other way to do it. That That's sort of how my political forefathers and foremothers in Bend and in Deschutes County have always done it, I feel like. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm not plowing new, new ground. I'm, I'm definitely following in the, uh, in their, in their path. Um, that's not to say that we, that anybody should abandon their own political values. And I'm proud that, you know, we've, we've shown that um, good progressive values can affect change and, and actually make people's lives better um, under our jurisdiction. Yeah, that's refreshing to hear. We're going to take our next break. We're talking with Anthony Broadman. He's the uh, mayor pro tem of the city of Bend. We'll be back in just a second. I'm Barbara Dellenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. Dickette Bramlett is the first black woman hired to lead a winery in the nation. She works to make the BIPOC community welcome in the industry. When you create this space of accessibility, of cultural awareness, all of a sudden it's not just about the different shades that you have in that space. It's about the diversity and thought that you now have in that space. Inclusivity and diversity in the wine industry on the Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. And we're back talking with Anthony Broadman from the uh, City Council of Bend. Um, boy, I can imagine being on council and, 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 and having to do that job, but also having to help uh, the city navigate during COVID. I'd love to get kind of take us back to, you know, uh, when you first saw that, well, okay, we're going to have to sort of do things differently and take us through that process. So my, uh, I was sworn in on January 6th, as in the January 6th. So, so we were, we were, you know, I was campaigning 
during COVID and um, it was, it, it's been an ongoing challenge to make sure that we're on one hand, ma- keeping people safe. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, you know, doing the work that we need to do at the city, I would, I will be honest with you. It was a, it was a challenge on council. It was a challenge for me because um, I did not want to obviously uh, make, make anybody less safe and expose them to COVID. But on the other hand, I really felt like we needed public comment in person and needed to meet in person. And that push and pull was um, a challenge because I think it, it definitely handy. It, it made our, it made our work more difficult as it made everybody's work more difficult. Um, I'm proud of how the city powered through COVID. Um, we are still, you know, we're still going to be living with COVID um, on an ongoing basis, but uh, we accomplished so much even while, you know, often meeting virtually and, um, and, and we had the benefit of ARPA, uh, the American uh, Rescue Plan Act. We had yeah. the benefit of CARES funding. So there were things that, you know, despite our struggles as a community during COVID, we uh, were we were fortunate enough to have resources to make sure that the most vulnerable people in our community, um, you know, were, were going to be taken care of as well as we could have. So allocated a lot of those ARPA dollars and CARES Act dollars to people experiencing homelessness and in our ongoing um, housing affordability uh, challenges. But I, um, yeah, I would, I'd be lying if I said it was easy. It was, it was a challenge. And I think it was very stressful for council. We lost a, we had a mayor resign. Yeah. Uh, we had, um, a, one of my colleagues, somebody who, um, I looked to and, and worked closely with and trusted, um, and ran with who, who also resigned. Um, you know, I, I think it was a stressful, it was a stressful uh, two years for everybody in government as it was for everybody in business and um, in our communities. And, you know, unlike you just mentioned business owners and unlike business owners who, who had to, you know, kind of keep the doors open and do all the things that they, they needed to do, you know. As a as a council person, you have your your council job and the things you need to get done. But you're also you're also a leader. You're also a, a an elected official, somebody that people look to. And so I imagine part of the job was just yeah, showing up so that you could you could show the public whether they voted for you or not that 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 you were there. You and your colleagues were there manning the ship. And I imagine that was pretty important. I think it was. I mean, I, I, I hope we succeeded. I, I hope um, people felt uh, the, the absolute obligation we felt to um, be at the helm of the ship. You know, we're a healthcare family. My wife was, you know, I would see the lines on her face when she came home every day from treating um, sick kids with uh, many of them with COVID. Um, And I, so it made me feel like, look, the, if I can show up and wear a mask and be safe and and um, help people understand that our public health measures and the measures we're taking are going to make them safer, then that, that's that's pretty easy compared to what she does. Pretty easy compared to what our police um, were doing and our emergency room doctors. Um, so I and and nurses and 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 everybody in healthcare. So I. I, I think showing up is a big part of it. Uh, you know, we had a, a horrific shooting here yeah. um, at our Safeway. Um, and I think, um, you know, one of the things that I took away from that was um, the the people who um, 
are, are simply there, even in horrific situations, even when you don't have answers, um, that that's, that's sometimes what, um, communities need. And that, that job is, um, that job is like not, uh, you know, that job is just, you're very fortunate if you get to fill it for even a day. So I, uh, I, I take that super seriously and, um, been fortunate to be there. Sure. I've always felt, and in, 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 uh, I've had the opportunity to attend many city council meetings uh, in, in different jurisdictions throughout the West. And, and I feel like everybody should go to at least one or two city council meetings. If nothing else, it gives you this sort of this great tableau of life. And, and I've, but I've also always wondered, when you're on the other side of the, of the table and you're a decision maker... Um, Boy, you get it all, don't you? I mean, it's 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 city council meetings, you know, especially the public comment period. You know, there are people who are going to, you know, yell at you or or call you names or or you know waste time or be very impassioned and 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 really bring up substantive things. What is it like to sit to sit in that chair and and listen to your constituencies, but also you know realize that. Um, everything is sort of coming at you. How's it been like as you've progressed in your career as a, as, as a council person? It feels a little bit like being an appellate lawyer. (laughs) Being in the court of appeals. I mean, there's very few times when you're more present than when you're hearing public comment and, and digesting and processing really important um, initiatives that are going to affect and help people's lives. I, there's, um, I, I, the only thing I can liken it to is, is going to court. Yeah. Um, certainly not as divisive or oppositional. I usually we're all working together toward a, a common bright goal, but I, I do feel like, um, the amount of attention and attention to detail and just thinking creatively about how to get to a result that helps our collective client, which is this, you know, this city and the, all of the people who reside in it. Um, that's, that's the way I see it, but that could be my dumb lawyer brain sort of (laughs) broke when I went to law school. I don't know. (laughs) Well, um, you've been on the council. What would you say, what, what are you most proud of? And maybe it's an ongoing thing and, and, and you're not done with it yet, but what are you most proud of in terms of serving on the Ben city council? I'm most proud of our proposal for a crosstown north south bikeway. Okay. Um, this is why I ran for council. I wish I could show you know show you a big ribbon cutting today, but that's <laughs> not the pace of municipal government. But I think someday, and maybe after my kids are uh, are, are grown, but someday kids going to ride across um, Hawthorne Bridge, which is uh, I hope someday a bridge that crosses the parkway and the railway and connects east and west in the Bend Central District, which can really serve as the jewel of our, um, you know, redeveloped and, and infilled city. Um, so I'm, I'm most proud of probably the work that I know I still have ahead of me to to make sure that that gets done and, and make sure that a, a kid someday in the future can ride across this town or walk across this town or use a wheelchair across this town um, safely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Anthony Broadman of the Bend City Council, really appreciate your time. as great insights into the job and also what you're looking forward to. 
Thanks, Michael. Thanks for um, thanks for doing these. I, I listened to them and appreciate the insight from all around the state. Great. Thank you. That was our conversation with Anthony Broadman of the Bend City Council. What started as an ambition to improve safety and transportation around Bend has led him to become an advocate for many other critical improvements for the city. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.